0: untold and hardships unnumbered we have fought our way here to the castle beyond the Sky kingdom to talk about games welcome to the GameCritics.com podcast episode 72 i'm dylan collins and we have a fantastic show for you tonight because not only do we have nearly all of the original cast we have guest stars and guest stars means that this show is big time introducing first <laughs> our fearless leader mr chi kong lu hello chi
1: hey how's it going dylan it's going well how are you I'm doing good, man.
0: Uh Brad Galloway is here. Hello everybody. Hello Brad, how are you doing?
2: Doing very well, thank you, sir.
0: Richard Nyack. the Richard Nyack.
3: Hola every peoples?
0: Hola every Richard Nyack. <laughs> <laughs> now for the first time on the show and perhaps on any game podcast in the history of the world, we have two ladies on at the same time and I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous like a kid at the school dance, but I'm going to try to carry on. Both of them back fresh from PAX East, we have Maddie Bryce. Hi, Maddie.
4: Hello. It
0: is awesome to have you on the show.
4: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: And Kristen Taylor. Hi, Kristen. Hi, guys. How are
5: you doing?
0: Well, doing well. And not only that, as if we don't already have a huge show with many fabulous stars, we have a special surprise guest, and I believe that you guys met him over the weekend at PAX. It is Cheese son Ryan. Ryan, sir, are you there?
1: Wait, hold on. Okay.
3: <laughs> Ryan, come <over> here. <laughs> Get
5: over hey, here. The <laughs> Daddy Podcast. Hey, come here.
3: You <laughs>
1: it's like he's been waiting here. He's been sitting here for like the last half an hour, and now he's. <laughs> He's getting shy on you. Come on, Ryan. You don't want to talk to Richard? All right. I guess this isn't going to work, guys. So
0: much for the surprise. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> well, surprise, Richard. Um, I'm really excited for the show because Chi, Richard, Matt, and Kristen have that new PAX smell. And Brad and I smell like Dorito tacos from Taco Bell. And a little later, I can live vicariously through the member ten I was at PAX. Um, we're going to get into a little what games have you been playing lately first. The segment that asks... What games have you been playing lately? It's both a segment title and a segment description in one. So I thought we would start with Brad Galloway on this one, Brad, because I know everybody's been focused so much on Mass Effect 3 that maybe some other games have slipped past.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's really been true. I mean, uh, you know, granted Mass Effect 3 was going to be a big game regardless, but I do think it's kind of a shame that with all the hullabaloo over the ending that so many other games have just kind of flown under everybody's radar, uh, you know, after everybody kind of imploded over the ending. So um, Mm -hmm. just really quickly, in terms of console, I've kind of covered these already on the site, but I think that both um, I Am Alive and Binary Domain both really deserve uh, some more attention. Um, I Am Alive being the post-apocalyptic kind of, prince of persia platforming kind of thing uh pretty brutal pretty hardcore and binary domain is a third person sci-fi shooter it's kind of like um terminator meets um i don't know like i want to say snatcher or uh you know something like that something really kind of noirish a little bit in some ways um but it's it's really a fun ride um lots of set pieces lots of action it controls really well it's got some good characterization it's just a really really fun thing to play um so those are the things on console I've been playing. But to be perfectly honest with you, um, I've been spending a lot of time with my iPhone. Um, I never really would have predicted this would have happened, but I got an iPhone about you know a month ago or something like that. And I'm
1: still, sh- I'm still shocked to hear that, Brad. Yeah.
2: I know. I know. Like I, I, I'm kind of shocked myself. Just really, I'm so I look at it sometimes and I go, what is this thing? And then I turn it on and it's like Angry Birds, and I go, okay. So <laughs> it's just it's it's funny because I was so excited for the Vita. And I was really, really pumped, and I was a, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say I was a cheerleader for the Vita, but I really had a good feeling about it. I, You know, I picked it up on day one. And it's a great system, a beautiful piece of technology, but I got to say, Sony has really, really fucking just dropped the ball hardcore on the Vita. It was like, there was like maybe two or three games that were worth playing when it launched, and there hasn't been anything since then. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they just there's not really a reason to carry it around with me anymore. I haven't touched it in I don't even know how long, and I just am really, really disappointed about that. But instead, I've been carrying my iPhone, and I have, like, more games than I can even play on my iPhone, and surprisingly, a lot of them are pretty good. Um, if you've been following me on Twitter at all, you know I've been freaking out lately uh, over Elder Sign Omens, which is an electronic um, adaptation of a board game, an actual board game put out by Fantasy Flight Games. And being the Lovecraft oh, wow. fan that I am, uh, I just I totally got sucked into this. So it's like a board game where everything is automated, like the dice rolls and everything. And you play as like this group of detectives trying to take down one of the old ones from the you know dark reaches of space. And <laughs> it's all Lovecrafty and creepy, and there's lots of tentacles and slime and stuff. But it's just it's a great great conversion, and it plays really well even on the iPhone's small screen. I mean, I just I just finished it last night on all the difficulties, and it was just like this. I was glowing, literally glowing. Like, I'm in bed, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and my wife wakes up, she's like, "What the fuck is that glow? And it was me. Like, it was me, I was literally glowing. Because I was so happy. Can, um,
0: can you do multiplayer on that game, like, with different people on um, iPhones? I don't have an iPhone, so I don't know how it if works. If you just pass
2: like... it back and forth, you can. I mean, you can, you know, theoretically, if four people sit in a circle, you can pass it back and forth, and everybody can have one character. But it very easily plays with just one person, which, for me... You know, it's so busy. You know, I got kids and stuff. I, I barely ever have time to like play video games, let alone get like a group of board game friends together. So this was just like awesome. Like, it's totally like everything that I used to like about pen and paper or board games, but just in the palm of my hand, which is really nice. So Elder Sign Omens, total thumbs up. Total. So are, thumbs you,
1: up. are you playing that as a one player game or? How, yeah. How that, or, yeah.
2: Okay. It's beautiful. So, it, so what happens is you you get the board, you get to pick four characters, and then you just you just you, you play all the characters yourself, rather than mm-hmm. everybody okay. sitting around a table, each person going at once. Like you just you just cycle through them. So, you know, player one takes their turn, they're done. Then you just take the role of all four player characters at the same time. So it's it works out really well. It's it's basically like you know playing Monopoly by yourself, except the point being. <laughs> Well, it sounds kind of crazy (laughs) to say that, but the the point... Well, no, the thing is you cooperate. Like, it's cooperative, and it's not competitive. So it's four players versus the board, rather than four players against each other, which is really what makes it work so well. So everybody's trying to kill Cthulhu or Yig or Azatoth or something like that, and the computer controls that, and then the four players are working together. So it totally works out. You need to cooperate which is you know, a, a really fun spin on board games and what makes it such a great conversion for iPhone anyway because you don't need to cheat yourself because you, you help yourself as you're playing. So It sounds kind of confusing. It's kind of crazy. And I, I wouldn't have understood it myself until I had seen it. But now that I've seen it, it totally works. And if you like board games, if you like Lovecraft, if you just want something a little different um, to play on the go, great, great conversion. Love, Elder Sign, Omens, Hardcore. Um, other iPhone things I've been playing... Uh, I know I'm like the last person on Earth to play Angry Birds, but I do think it's a fun game. You know, it's great to play mm-hmm. for three minutes at a time. Everybody knows what that is. Uh, Mirror's Edge on iPhone is actually a better Mirror's Edge than it was on 360.
1: Really? So shocked. That
2: too, so shocked. <laughs> Have anybody here played it on iPhone? No. Oh, my
3: God. It, I was so tempted
1: the... to buy it on iPad, but it looks it looked like that. It looked like ass, yeah, so I
3: didn't. <laughs> uh, is, is it the same gameplay? Like, Is it still 3D running around in first person or is it that's what makes it better so like i it may look like
2: ass on the ipad because the ipad screen is better but on the iphone i think it's perfect because even though the character models are really rough everything is scaled down so small like you don't really notice like the quality of you know like somebody's arm is made of like one triangle or something and you don't notice because it's small and what it is it, it takes the the mirror's edge gameplay Cuts out the third dimension, makes it 2D, which is awesome because it totally works in 2D perfectly. It becomes third person instead of uh, uh, first person. So you get to see Faith running up and down the ledges and bouncing from things. I mean, I always said that that game should have been not the way that it was. I always said it should have been third person from the start. And playing it on the Mm -hmm. iPhone, I'm like, yes, I was right. I'm totally right because this game is better. And it wasn't (laughs) 360. So... Uh, thumbs up to Mirror's Edge, um, and there's just so many other things uh, that are really good. But I think just overall, just like iPhone in general, has really been keeping keeping me busy. And and kudos to iPhone and and all the apps. And like big big thumbs down to Sony and the Vita. I'm just it, it sucks to me that I paid all that money and I've got this brand new, barely touched unit sitting collecting dust in my office. That's so stupid.
0: Well, well, hopefully.
2: I was going ahead, to just say, sorry. welcome to
0: the dark side, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I guess.
2: laughs>
0: Maddie, what about you? What games have you been playing lately?
4: Um. Well, uh, the most recent came out today, actually. Um, it's called Choice of Zombies. I was just talking about it. Um, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure with stats on the PC, and you can also get it on your phone. Um, the Choice of Games have a lot of these really cool um stories to go through that i really like and they they're kind of um i think they're on the up you know because you can actually take their script and make your own sort of uh games as well so and they share that and they'll publish i don't know if they'll publish it but they'll at least um show it on their site if it's like particularly good um and it's really cool. I got to actually got to talk to uh, one of the lead writers, or I think actually the lead writer of *Trace of Zombies, and she's pretty awesome. Uh, so I'm playing that because, you know, zombies are awesome. Um, I'm also um, slightly hating my life playing Tales of Graces. I don't know if I'll... <laughs> continue it but because I went into <laughs> it and I paid like you know full price for it I feel like I should just freaking play through the entire thing but it is so <laughs> painful I want to hurt myself and this is, is I say this if if someone really likes JRPGs and JRPGs are just like your lifeblood then play this game because it's exactly what it is but um, I guess I just I just found I kind of grew out of all that
1: I'm just kind of laughing, Maddie, because that seems like the default reaction these days to any Tales game. It's just like <laughs> self-loathing for playing it. I don't know. I don't. It's pretty predictable. I mean, I barely play these games, and somehow I, I get this feeling, <laughs> just from like hearing guys like you and Brad. I mean, not Brad. Um, Mike, really. You know, just he, he has the exact same reaction. It's hysterical. I you
4: know. I actually liked Tales of the Abyss. If I mean, like, if you can get past the lead character, um, which is Kind of difficult, but um, <laughs> besides the main character, everyone else and the kind of the story is like kind of cool. You know, I, I dug it. You know, I was like, okay, I would buy the next Tales of game that I can get, and unfortunately, that is Tales of Graces. Um, so that uh, I feel bad, kind of like just like bashing it, but like it's just I was lo- I'm really looking for something more interesting revitalization, if you will, of J- of JRPGs, which I've been argued, you know, actually there was a, an article that came out today uh, that had me quoted in it um, about uh, defense of JRPGs. But in my opinion, I really didn't like that. Um, and what else? Um, I'm also playing through, again, I'm starting from Mass Effect 1 all the way through for my super, this is the end of canon Shepard. Um, the shepherd to end all shepherds, um, and <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Um, I've been super how are, busy. How are you I gonna re- play your
2: shepherd, Maddie? What is what is the shepherd to end all shepherds?
4: Okay, so this is gonna get a little bit highbrow, so please excuse me. Um, basically, <laughs> I well, I have this idea that like that shepherd is kind of like the new um, Ellen Ripley like the new mother archetype of science fiction. And I thought like, you know, I think shepherd is this new take on the mother archetype. And so I'm going through, of course, this might be kind of predictable coming from me, but I'm going through the entire thing as if like, there's like this, uh, the shepherd is this mother figure where um, the party kind of resembles like a family unit, if you will. And like the idea of choosing your um, y- your skills, your skills of your pl- of your fellow teammates and things like that is really awesome because she's a vanguard and she like, you know, blows shit up like five feet away from her body is really awesome. So and I'm usually like a lot more cautious player. Like I'm like that, like adept engineer person who's like kill things from very, very far away. So the shotgun thing is new and satisfying. But uh, that I think that's, uh, that sums me up. Well, let me ask you this that then: if,
2: I'm just curious if if you're playing Shepherd as kind of a mother figure and the people in your ship are kind of like your family, well then who do you end up banging?
4: See, <laughs> I'm I'm still I'm still kind of I'm like okay, so I feel my my whole philosophy on this is like the, you know you have the suicide mission and it's very possible for someone to die and I really feel like you know that there is a good storytelling moment for people to die and actually, you know, instead of going through a perfect run. And so I've been kind of, uh, negotiating. This was like, I think I might have to sleep with someone. And this is really awkward because I like with Caden, I feel like I was like, okay, maybe Caden, cause I killed him in my first one. Cause I didn't like him that much. Um, or he was just boring. But, um, He's become kind of like this, like really like he because he does a lot of like defensive moves, so he like always puts up barriers and shit, you know, and helps me out, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of somewhat partnership is, but it feels really. Like statutory rapey, you know, it just doesn't sound. It doesn't seem right at all. It feels like something I should not be doing. I was gonna say this sounds sounds more like boogie nights or something. Yeah. So eventually something's gonna happen. Maybe I'll like I don't know have like an unspoken romance like Samara, you know, one of those like really weird. You know, that's kind of really weird, but like I don't know. I'll have. I'll see what the role playing energy kind of you know takes me. So. (laughs) <laughs>
0: this is already the most fascinating podcast we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to PAX yet. I <laughs> know. No. <laughs> Richard, uh, what games have you been playing lately? Um,
3: Well, I've been playing uh, mostly nothing since I've gotten back. I just haven't uh, had a ton of time. But there is one game that I uh, discovered today. It's actually the Streets of Rage remake. It is a fan-made game by a group called Bomber Games. Uh, They're not affiliated with uh, Sega or any uh, major company of any sort that uh, painstakingly remade from scratch uh, the best elements of all three Streets of Rage games. And I have to say, it is really good. It's a really faithful port. Um, I haven't gotten through all of it yet, but it's... uh, I mean, like I said, it's just something I found today. I was uh, just browsing around some, some game music on YouTube. I found uh, some parts of the soundtrack for it. I'm like, oh, what's that from? So I went and downloaded it, and it's actually it's pretty fun. Wow. Oh, that
4: sounds awesome. I love Streets of Rage.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you eat the roast chicken still? You can. <laughs> and, 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 and you can use guns. Awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, Kristen, let's go to you. Uh, well,
5: post prepacks. Uh, I was actually, I picked up avita as well. And I, for a little bit there, I was kind of obsessed with Luminous Electronic Symphony uh, right up until a, about a couple weeks before PAX. And so then I picked up Armored Core 5, which turned out to be, I kind of regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's my first Armored Core game. So all I knew about previously about the series is that there's apparently a lot of machine parts that you can make a walking vertical tank with
4: mm-hmm.
5: but the first day it, I, pl- I got it day one so the very first day the the multiplayer servers were kind of down so uh and the game prompt pretty much prompts you to make a multiplayer character right up front like the whole multiplayer single player there's no difference so there's a lot of complaints about how you can't do, you couldn't do shopping for the first day, you couldn't do missions for the first day. I couldn't do anything for the first day because there was no tutorial. Oh wow. Uh, so <laughs> there's no, there's like the most basic of tutorials. So it just throws you right in, and you have to make a team. You have to make a multiplayer team. Uh, even if you're playing by yourself. So I wound up with Team Pumpkin Spice Bread.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard they're tough, man. They sound like a rough bunch. That's intimidating. Oh, no.
5: No, it's not intimidating at all. I was... We pretty much... All I did was go out and try to fight people and hug them and die. So, (laughs) But it, it was pretty horrible. There's, like it's it's the most newbie, unfriendly game I've probably ever played. There's no instructions. There's no telling... I, I, I would beat missions successfully, but wind up thousands of dollars in debt from getting too much damage to my mech. I would do missions for other people, because it has the same sort of uh, co-op style, if you want. Like, that's President Demon, and Dark Souls, where you can, like, volunteer, and somebody can pull you into their game. Um... But and I would help them, and that was successfully do their mission, and then my rake would go down, and Little I'm like,
2: why? What? Yeah, what? <laughs>
5: seriously. So well, I let me ask you,
2: Can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. Um, I I was an Armored Core fan way back when Armored Core One came out, and I, I think I reviewed like the first like six games or something like that. Um, and there's been a bunch. I mean, the the numbering hasn't really gone like quite in order, so that probably explains why I just said six games and you just said you just bought five. Mm-hmm. But um, so. You know, back in the day when it started, I think it was probably a lot easier to get into because it wasn't quite so mysterious and esoteric. And I, I haven't played any of the recent ones. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious. I've heard it's gotten even more complex than when I quit. And at that time, it was crazy complex. So, like, what's keeping you playing or what, I mean, what are you getting out of it now? Because it sounds like what you've described has been really, really newbie unfriendly, really kind of just dark and mysterious and just not not really well put together from what you're describing. I mean, what's what's keeping you into it?
5: well for a while it was I, I had a lot of fun doing mercenary missions actually. even though I wound up like thousands of dollars in debt because I apparently took too much damage but I actually did like uh, playing around with the stuff and the controls are pretty solid once you actually figure out what the controls do and I liked getting new parts which I actually couldn't because you know you're, you don't level up individually your team levels up based off of uh, based off of your t- uh missions you complete either not the mercenary but uh story missions order missions and just invading other people's territories so um i would make money by redoing the exact same order by doing the exact same order mission over and over and over and over again to farm money so I could level up my rank, so I could unlock new gear, which I couldn't purchase because the the thing was dead. The network was down. But
2: uh... <laughs> that sounds like a mess. I don't know about
1: that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so but did they was... fix
1: all that? Is it all repaired to this point? I mean...
5: The it sort of kind of is. Oh. By the time I by the time I left for PAX and I had given up playing, uh, the store was working, but because I I mercenaried all the time, my my Team rank never went up, so I never was actually unlocked anything new to ever buy. So, but I had a lot of fun doing the mercenary missions and using what gear I did have to tweak out my to tweak out my um, my walking tank to my ace my core. There we go, my armored core and blowing crap up. That was a lot of fun. But the part that that made me realize that I was absolutely not going to play this game anymore was when I started getting pulled into territory defense missions. And the way it works is that the multiplayer works is you choose a you choose like a little map and you invade it and you gain territory. The defense missions require you and your team to wait online. Everybody ready, not doing anything else, just sitting there at the ready screen waiting for somebody to attack you.
4: Oh so, my god. <laughs> That's wonderful it's terrible. <laughs> so
5: yeah, so and it got so bad that uh, the forum I would visit would actually have to uh, the people would actually sit there and ask other teams to invade their own territory because otherwise they'd just be sitting there. And I knew I was dumb when I was when I joined the mercenary team and we sat there literally for about thirty minutes oh and I'm just sitting there playing Luminous Electronic Symphony the entire time, <laughs> waiting for it was a, it was like it was like being a being in a raid in in a uh, in WoW or any other MMO and you're just waiting for that one healer to show up. <laughs>
0: It's hurry thing until up and somebody wait somebody shows up to
5: actually attack you.
0: That sounds yep. horrendous.
5: It is. It was. It was the worst thing I'd ever heard. Uh, uh, sat through, and it. it was. It was pretty terrible. But so, I by the time packs happened, I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm just gonna shelve that for now.
1: <laughs> you know, you Kristen, know, when I when I saw you initially say you were gonna, you know play it on twitter i I was just full of admiration i'm like wow that's so hardcore of you to play armored core in hindsight now i apologize for not warning you more (laughs) it's more hardcore than you could ever
0: know apparently
5: (laughs) yeah it it started reminding me of when i used to raid in multi-core and way back in vanilla and i was the 10th paladin out of 40 people so all i did was just push a button and watch TV at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, wait, am I literally just playing another game while I'm waiting for a game to play? No, that's that's it. So that's... then I went off and got Tales of Graces off.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> she? Yeah. <laughs> I
0: hope you've had better luck with what you've been playing lately.
5: Uh,
1: I don't know. I'm kind of mixed bag, I guess. pre packs I, I just started playing uh, Pokemon Black. Uh, my son started getting into it my both my wife and my son started getting into it so i was like oh this is a time for me to jump in and try to you know get some family uh gaming time with it and you know it's i really wish i had something more to say about it i don't it's pokemon exactly (laughs) as i remember it i mean it's just i i still enjoy it you know i mean i still think they do you know i I think I, i give them more credit for the monster designs than most people do i don't think it's as bad as some people alluded to, but it is what it is. I mean, it's, you know, it's still it's still fun, you know, and it's kind of great to play with my son because he, you know, he hasn't played any of the previous ones. So to him, it's still sort of all new and still fun. So uh, and, and, and funny enough, when I got to PAX, everyone was playing it. I mean, they had this whole bizarre Pokemon League thing going on. Yeah. I, I still don't know what that's about exactly. But was, go ahead, Maddie.
4: It was um, basically there is a PAX Pokemon League and basically they had gym leaders of every type. And the Elite Four, and you can go around and battle all the gym leaders with your team. And I actually knew—I knew the Dragon Trainer um, of the Elite Four was actually one of the editors at the Border House. And um, there's also a new the Flying Gym Leader. So yeah, everyone went around and battled. It it was kind of cool. Think because like the one thing I guess I always loved about Pokemon is that I wanted to be a Pokemon trainer, like a real life Pokemon trainer, you know? (laughs) And it was just like I guess this was like kind of close to it because I had I also played it, um, and I liked having. I I still thought that the character designs were pretty ridiculous uh, because one of them was like a giant garbage bag. Um, and it it's my favorite because of how awkward it is right right
1: i mean they're still you're you're always going to still identify with some of the pokemon and still try to assemble that perfect team although one thing the one thing one point i wanted to make about pokemon that that doesn't get said often enough i suppose is that it is perhaps the one uh, it's never positioned that way but it really is a sports game you know, and I think that's one of the re- as, as well, one of the reasons why it continues to endure just sort of like any Madden game or any uh, NBA game. You know, it just it just keeps going on and on because it really is just it's got the same mentality, you know, but yet it's 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 a JRPG and it's got all the Pokemon and it's, you know, very pet friendly and all that. So but it, it really is sort of like a sports game.
0: I've never thought of it like that. That's an interesting. It's yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a sports game meets a JRPG. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes so, a lot of sense to me though.
1: So outside of uh, outside of uh, after Pax was done, actually today I started playing a game that that's been on my queue for a while on my iPad called uh, R Complex. Uh, It's been my understanding is it's been on the PC. Uh, I don't know. Has anyone heard of that one? R Complex
2: sounds familiar. What's give us give us a rundown real quick? It's
1: it's your typical um, uh, sort of iPod touchy. platform jumper you know it's a running jumper rather right so it's it's you know it's this guy he's running across the screen from left to right and but the, the difference between this one is that it's it's got this sort of a uh, new agey abstract take on it you know it's this guy's like talking you know there's, a, there's an inner monologue with the guy the whole time you know the, it's got these really bright reds and Things like that. There's this is abstract monster. It's like just all black, and, and the character is like a black silhouette. It's nothing but a black silhouette, and this black another monster is just sort of chasing him the whole time. And you got to sort of duck under um, obstacles, jump over obstacles, and and I really wanted to like it, but unfortunately the controls just you know they were actually like borderline broken. I'm, I'm like very tempted to like contact the 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 public relations guy who hooked, hooked us hooked me up with the code and said you know you really should talk to this guy because it's not quite working too great you know like so unfortunately yeah I'm not not and not having too great of experience and the the second knock I had on it was there's a stage where you start on a motorcycle. And uh, you basically just go up and down dodging cars, but it, it, but it's still actually kind of hard because, again, the car- controls aren't super responsive. There's a sort of delayed reaction and, and animation that takes place, so it's not instantaneous. And this actually reminded me a lot of the old Toad stage where, you know, you go mm-hmm. through the, the car. I mean, that was like, I don't know if for for anybody, but that stage uh, is probably borderline the hardest stage ever made in video games. That so. stage was <laughs> the bane of
0: my existence when I was like nine years old. Yeah. Oh and it's... this stage actually brought
1: me back to that. I was just like dying left <laughs> and right, <laughs> crashing into oh cars.
4: Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> and um. Remember. And w- one other funny funny note about that game as well is that there's one inner monologue scene where he goes, so the people gave me a, an award for like, sorry, I'm screwing this up. He said, so I got an award for robbing for uh, saving this bank robbery beat, but of course. I'm the one who set up the robbery. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Just like, you know, like the only, it would have only been more appropriate if that was like in French, you know, it would have had that perfect, like existential nonsense thing going on. Anyway. Yeah. So that, that's pretty much it for me.
0: It sounds like there's been some interesting games you guys have been playing. Um, (laughs) We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, Team Pumpkin Spice Bread will still be waiting to defend their territory. And we will be talking about packs. So stay with us. So, two-thirds of us were off gallivanting around PAX East over the weekend. This was like the third PAX East. There was something crazy like over 160 booths, a bunch of big developers, a bunch of games, a bunch of panels, and we're going to dive into all of it now. But before we do, Richard, I know you've been to both PAX East and PAX Prime now. Has anybody else been to both of them?
5: I have, have been you? to both, yes.
0: Well, I will pose this question to you and Richard then. Let's say you're playing Dragon Age Origins, and... Both of the Paxes are your female companions. Which one do you pursue romantically?
3: Oh, uh, well, you put it like that. <laughs> I have a way with uh, words. Um, probably Pax Prime. Um, just <laughs> i got to be- hear this. <laughs> just because I'm, I'm just going to give the explanation I was planning on giving. So interpret it as you see fit. But uh, um, it. Walking around the the area around the convention center, it seems like it's just easier to get places. There's just more things to do that are right there, whereas Boston, you have to uh, had to walk quite a ways to get to any of the places. Um, The PAX Prime felt bigger. I don't know if it actually was bigger or if it's it's just my mind playing tricks on me, but it felt like there were more things in the convention center to do. Uh, But I mean, overall, I, I enjoyed both of them greatly. What about you, uh, Kristen?
5: That's hard because PAX East has free Wi-Fi. <laughs> and because my friend lives there, free lodging. But PAX Prime has, to me, what feels like a more organized floor layout. Okay. It's a lot easier to navigate between various places and panels and such. And it also has that really great sushi bar we went to.
3: <laughs> yeah it was a good so, sushi bar
5: well that was a fantastic sushi bar so it's a choice between the childhood friend that's free and easy <laughs> or, <laughs> or the long distance relationship that can cook <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Richard' choice is the one that feels bigger all right. <laughs>
5: All,
0: right. <laughs> yep.
5: All right. I'd probably have to go with Pax East then, because the childhood friend can also cook. Very <laughs> <They're not.
1: laughs> there was some. Is, is there... Oh, go ahead. I so was gonna say, is there? A, would you say there's a definitive Pax one over the other, or is not really?
3: Um, I I would say no. Um, they felt they they both. I mean, in a lot of ways, they really did feel the same. Um, I mean, both the Penny Arcade guys were both. They were at both of them. Obviously, they had a lot of the same uh, events. Things were structured very similar. That similar. Similarly. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't call one of them definitive over the other.
5: It's... Yeah, neither would I. They're they're both they're both very good in their own right.
3: They're both a good. But time. I don't
5: think one's better better over the other.
0: There were some really interesting titles demoed at PAX from what I was reading, and you can check out Chi's thoughts on some of those at Game Critics right now. But to expand on that, if it's all right, I thought we'd just kind of go around the group and maybe each of you could touch on some titles that impressed you or didn't impress you at all this year. Um, and I thought maybe we could start with Chi, since he has the article up right now.
1: Sure. Um, I, I guess the the, the, the one biggest the, or my favorite title, I would say, of the show was uh, XCOM. Uh, enemy unknown uh first reason <laughs> was because it was just kind of shocking how like it felt so different from all the other games and it was really just the same game that it o- it always was rather or it's a you know it's a reimagining as they're calling it you know of the the original strategy art you know strategy uh turn based strategy game but just, you know, just seeing all the third-person shooters and all the first-person shooters, it was just, like, endless. I mean, it, it was just so hard to keep track. I, I, there were there were first-person shooters that had, like, part two in it that I never even heard there was a part one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I was like, wow, you know, like, you know, and, and like, certain MMOs and, like, and this humongous booth that I, I didn't even know that there was these, like, I think it was Legend of something.
5: mm mm-hmm. um,
1: I, just, I didn't even know some of these games were out there, really. But uh, so when I saw XCOM and just the way they were keeping it real, just, you know, keeping it basic with the original gameplay, just, you know, reimagining it in a really in a really modern way that you would want that game to be reimagined. That really kind of stood out to me, you know, and it just looks great top to bottom from what I saw.
0: Yeah. From what you wrote, it looks fantastic. And it had me at the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier comparison. Once I read that, I'm like, I'm on board with that game. Rich, yeah. Was, hmm? go ahead. Oh, so Richard, I know you you played that as well.
3: Um, I actually didn't play it. There okay. wasn't a playable demo at the show, but um, what they showed you was a, uh, I think it was a pre-alpha build that a guy was just a guy was just running through, and uh, that was actually also my most impressive thing that I saw at the show. Um, I went in not really knowing anything about XCOM, and uh, if you're not familiar with it at all, it's a turn-based strategy game about uh, humanity fighting these aliens that have attacked Earth, and you direct a squad of uh, XCOM soldiers fighting aliens. I wound up liking what I saw for a lot of the same reasons that I liked Frozen Synapse, and uh, that it looks like a very deep, strategic experience without the uh, frantic pace of something like StarCraft. Okay. So, I mean, I will, I will most certainly be picking that up when it comes out.
0: Yeah, it's it looks amazing. Uh, I hope be getting that as well. Chia, I kind of jumped away from you, but did were there other games you wanted to talk about as well?
1: Yeah, I mean there there's a bunch. I'll kind of just run through them as quick as I can. Uh, uh Double Dragon, Yeon, uh, I previewed that as well. It was just kind of bizarre how, you know, a couple episodes ago we were just talking about how, you know, there's there's not enough of these games based on 80s movies and how, you know, there was Criminal How there isn't a Big Trouble in Little China. Right. Uh uh, game and literally as as I'm listening to this st- the staff person describe um, Double Dragon eon he literally just comes out and says you know this is like big trouble in Little China I'm like bam <laughs> you know? I literally walked up to him and said we just we just talked about that on a podcast so the minute the, the minute he said that I was I was like sold pretty much you know I mean I, the gameplay is pretty you know pretty Double Dragon esque and you know does does the, does the uh, the the series justice and just tacking on that sort of 80s vibe to it just was like the perfect fit you know gave it a complete different you know made it it was really more interesting than just sort of just doing a straight you know making something 3d or something like that you know it had some some sort of i don't know what to call it really it's sort of like a cultural thing i guess you know it's a little funny i know
0: it makes perfect sense to me if you're gonna like try to revitalize an 80s series to make it kind of like an 80s vibe that's really cool right
1: right from the 80s right exactly yeah yeah so I also spent a lot of time with a steel, steel battalion, heavy armor. I actually saw that pretty early on, uh, during the first hour where only, um, the, uh, people from the media had access to the showroom floor. So I'm glad I got that out of the way. Cause it's a pretty long demo. And, uh, you know, it just it just had too many things I was really into. Right, you know, it's 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 one of the few uh, giant mech games out there or coming up in the future. And you know, everyone knows about the, the original Steel Battalion controller, which they're now replacing with the Connect controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, mixed results. You know, not quite, not entirely sold on it, but um, uh, look, but nonetheless, it still looks pretty good. So, looking forward to that. Uh, Spirit camera, Spirit camera. The Curse Memoir was another 3DS game that was just doing a lot of interesting. Uh, things as far as the camera was was concerned and you know and it's just again a pretty stroke of genius how you know the original it's a, it's a spin-off of the fatal frame series and in the fatal frame you you can actually you know you're supposed to use a camera to like be able to see ghosts and capture them or destroy them or whatever so rather than actually have an in-game camera you're using the 3ds as the actual camera oh wow you know and yeah so you're pointing it around in the in the in your actual environment so it, you know it's all ar augmented reality stuff and you know there's a girl that you know a spirit girl that's there and you're sort of like they're telling you to like look over to your left so th- it's kind of funny just being at the demo because I, the guys playing the spirit camera demo they were all like moving the 3ds all around ourselves you know, <laughs> you know? pointing <laughs> it in all kinds of directions you know and everyone's just kind of looking at us like what the hell are you people doing you know but uh, I thought that was pretty neat though, and I actually uh, got a review copy from Nintendo, which I'll be playing pretty soon. So I, hopefully, I'll do a review of that pretty soon.
0: That's awesome.
1: Uh, mm. And just rounding things out, I, I got a chance to play Max Payne three, and it was like kind of the hottest game uh, on the on the floor really. But really, I, I really was not too thrilled. I mean, uh, you know, it it really just felt like Max Payne. I mean, I think they're going for the and you know, it's not fair for me to fully judge it because they are going for that whole cinematic thing. So it's it's going to be based on how the story goes and you know but they're, they're going for that you know overall um that complete experience vibe you know there isn't like this one killer selling feature you know that they have you know it's going to be this kind of like overall experience and you know it's got the whole rockstar vibe so you know i'm not the biggest rockstar fan but uh the funny thing is i i felt that was an, what was interesting contrast to max Payne 3 was actually hitman absolution you know whereas uh, Max Payne is your standard 3D linear shooter. You know, Hitman is your still the same sandbox, um, uh, sh- uh, sandbox uh, strategy type. You know, tactical, stealth. Sorry, stealth is more of the word I'm looking for. Uh, stealth third-person shooter that that it always has been. Uh, they, they they did the first public unveiling of actual game footage. I think there was it was I think Sparky mentioned that it was actually on GDC as well, but I, I guess this is considered the actual public unveiling. And I managed to attend a, a panel just for that. And they actually had two run-throughs of the game, of a one mission, where one. on one hand, they were very stealthy and very, you know, tried to kill it, you know, be as professional as possible. And then on the other hand, uh, when the second through it was just kind of more guns blazing, you know, taking out as many guys in as brutal a way as possible, you know. And I think the, the main difference I can see for Hitman fans is that the violence option is going to be much more attractive. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie, let's jump over to you.
4: Um, well, my experience with the Expo floor is less about playing games and how much I've accidentally broken into the Expo floor. I, for some reason, I neg- always neglected to bring my pass with me, and for some reason, uh, no one checks passes at um, at um at PAX. So I went to most of my panels and. Expo floor experience without my pass I actually I went down an Elevator trying to find A theater and ended up on the Expo floor before the whole thing opened And like no one said anything to me um, And really the only I mean I was like I, I guess technically I'm part of the media But I mean But that was kind of funny um, The only thing I really did uh, because I was Mostly there for panels um, Was I kind to check out the Super Supergiant uh, Peeps because I like them. And they had um, a whole bunch of uh, like really, really early builds of their game. And what was really fun is that I, I was there for um, uh, their panels at GDC. Where they kind of explained their process of how they, as an indie studio, putting out such like, an awesome quality game. How they did some of their stuff. And it was fun to actually get to play some of those really early builds. Of like this like, really strange looking bastion. You know, it was like this... I know um, it was really interesting to kind of see that Um, I don't think we get to see a lot of really early stuff from games kind of like it's almost like a postmortem but in development right but um, yeah I you know I actually kind of stayed away from most of the hype and buzz over games those were like really long lines that I was not willing to travel
0: What's like an average wait? I've never been to a Pax, but what's like an average wait time for a really high-profile game?
5: I know at one point the Borderlands two line was a three-hour wait. Oh, yeah.
3: Wow. yeah, that Board... was
4: ridiculous. Wow.
3: Yeah, the um, there was another one. I think it was uh, what was it was it was it Max Payne that had another long one? I thought it was I'm, that.
4: I'm pretty
1: sure. Um, I got I actually got a, a separa- got in as media so I didn't have to wait on that line but yeah that, that line was pretty ridiculous. It was really long and it wasn't like a theater where they would let a group of people in I mean they would literally let like one or two people in at the same you know just to you know play some of the stations so man I, I can't I can't I, I, I would guess some people were waiting there the whole day I mean seriously Wow
5: yeah That's crazy. yeah it, it was long lines yeah. really long.
1: I actually didn't bother to wait on any line that looked too long. And the only one I actually waited on was for the XCOM one at the end of the day. And I actually got in on like one turn of the theater, you know, so it only took like 15 minutes.
0: It sounds like that one was well worth the wait, too.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Let's go over to Kristen. Now, Kristen, games you liked, didn't like, were on the fence about?
5: Um, I really like I did like XCOM. I got into XCOM. Uh, so I did like that. Uh, I I think I've played the original XCOM, but I don't remember how or I don't remember when. So the new XCOM, it's really silly, but it really made me think about um, the original Shining Force and Fire Emblem games, uh, especially with the combat portion. So I'm, I'm pretty geeked about that. I practically fell in love with Borderlands, too, and I think at one point I asked the staff if they would all marry me uh, <laughs> it It was just I could do without the music i could I could do totally without the music, but mm-hmm. everything else about it looks looks already i guess i got I got some hands on time with it, and it just looks and plays be more more wonderful well, I've got, I've got, Chris, I've got,
3: Kristen would you I'm sorry?
1: I have a a picture of Kristen playing it, so yeah, you can see the the utter glow on her face.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Kristen, I was going to ask you, I I didn't get a chance to ask you this actually at the show, but were you able to glean anything that was uh, different or noticeably improved from the first game? Because we only got to spend, I think, about uh, 10 minutes each with it.
5: The one thing I noticed most immediately was that they changed the Siren's uh, special skill. So that's actually useful. Uh, (laughs) They did change some of the, like, okay, you could go invisible and explode when you come back. No, they changed it so that she actually feels slightly overpowered now. um, With her ability to just grab a monster and lift it up and completely render it useless for several seconds. And her power recharges very fast. But that's probably because we were level 20 uh, during the demo. Um, Some other things is they've done a lot of changes to the environmental area. So that there is environmental dangers. Um, There's some. They've changed a respawn mechanic somehow, but I couldn't really figure out how exactly. Like previously, once you killed everything, everything was dead. But now there were monsters that kept popping back up as we backtracked, Uh, and it just seemed weird somehow. Uh, The monsters are no longer just point and shoot until it dies, and now some of them require. Uh, actually blowing up specific parts of their body like I, I i would sit there and watch people shoot this one monster that had four very obvious going weak spots on his legs but everybody would just shoot it straight in the head and nobody <laughs> would pay attention to the little <laughs> cloud of zeros that came up that said that they were doing no damage whatsoever <laughs> so I, know, I was just Barry. like you guys all suck let me play this
0: <laughs> but um I'm I'm um, I'm glad we've talked about Borderlands too because I feel like now I've done Tim Spath proud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, go ahead, Kristen. Uh,
5: I also got some... I didn't get to play it, but I uh, spent a little bit of time talking with the developers uh, at Robot Entertainment for Orcs Must Die Two, which is which is looking really nice. Uh, they've got some, they've got co-op now, uh, and this is really, really small, but I noticed it. And according to the developers, everybody that really loves the game has kind of noticed it. But now you can put when you put traps on walls next to stairs, they turn diagonally so that it, it's flush with the stairs now. And that just <laughs> blew my mind. I was like, it's a diagonal! Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, I also spent a little bit of time with uh, The Secret World, which...
2: Oh, okay. Isn't the yeah. game out yet? I was seeing that at PAX last year. I mean, is it is it out already? Is it not out? What's going on with the secret?
5: It's world? not out. It's due out next month. Uh, I've got a beta key for it from the from the booth, so I'll probably dive in and look a bit more. I've got it reserved already, but it it looks a lot like MMOs, but. That's okay. I like the setting. <laughs> exactly
2: Great way to sell it there, yeah. I'm on board with that, or, or not, yeah. When I saw it,
1: when I saw, it, like, this looks like an MMO,
5: but in a modern day setting. Well, it it, it look it's, it's that's pretty much what it is. It looks like right. an MMO in a modern day setting. So, what I'm I'm really hoping that the RP servers, because I'm a big RP'er on and uh, MMOs, I want to see what they do as far as the uh, as far as uh, for us RP players. Um, you can also
1: sell it a little bit better as well. I think the trailer was actually really good. I mean, it talked about like conspiracies and groups and things like that so it's kind of like you know sort of um secret societies and that sort of thing right
5: i mean it's yeah there's some secret societies in there uh i i i uh, took the test it came out illuminati all my friends came out as (laughs) templars and dragons so i said i hope you guys enjoy working for me but (laughs) uh, i do like that there's a classless system i also like that there's there's specific rp clothes like there's already a, a lot of rp clothes uh pre-ordering the game lets you reserve your name and you could, and so i've already got my name for my character reserved and i bought a second slot you could buy second slots and stuff like that there's unlike other mmos you only start off with three players i mean with three slots and one of my friends was really annoyed about that because she has alt itis but Mm -hmm. uh, i'm pretty happy with with what i if if so long as everything is good on the RP side, and usually we don't find out about how well the RP will be until the game actually comes out, usually, mm-hmm. uh, then I'll be happy. And I'll also be checking out the beta for that. Uh, I also looked at Terra, which is another MMO. And Terra, I'm lukewarm about. It's got a, it reminds me a lot of... Of what I really want out of an MMO, which is an MMO that has an actual combat system as opposed to I push one, I push one, I push one. No, it's it's actually reminding me a little bit of Monster Hunter, but only because it's more action oriented. Uh, it looks really nice. There's a, it's a very action oriented combat system, but the, but the, the female characters. Uh-oh. <laughs> and all of our
2: ears kind of perk up, you know, huh? The whoa, female
5: whoa. characters, um, the people I were with, they were playing it, they were trying it out and playing it, and I was watching them between, between watching, it was between watching them and going over to play House of the Dead Four on a uh, PlayStation Three. But the 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 one particular elf, the female elf, has like her default clothes is either covered up top with a thong or <sighs> uh she has pants, but fragments of a shirt. And when she runs, oh, she runs like bent over with her butt in the air, and <laughs> oh, she rides God. side saddle, which is ridiculous because she's dressed like a like she is, and she's on the she's dressed like a slut, but she's riding. Oh, I'm some demure on my horse riding side saddle. No, oh no dear, <laughs> oh no dear.
0: Richard, yes. Did you play any games where there are people riding side saddle with thongs on?
3: I did not. I did not, oh. unfortunately. Sad times. What did you see? Um, well, first, uh, like I said before, I did see XCOM, which is probably be uh, my – if I had to pick a best of show, it would be that. Um, but then I, I also did spend uh, some time with Secret World, and uh, I am generally not an MMO player. It's just it, – it's a type of game that just has not appealed to me over the years. But right. uh, I, I love – uh, Funcom, and specifically Longest Journey. Uh, longest Journey is one of my favorite games ever. And uh, when it came out that they were uh, developing an MMO that was going to be set in a Longest Journey-ish world, I was immediately interested. Um, and I actually got to uh, spend a little bit of time with it before the show opened, during that uh, extra press hour. And it was, it was funny because I walked up to the... Uh, I walked up to the secret world booth and I started playing it and, you know, they're still, they're still setting everything up and, you know, nobody's nothing's ready yet. And so I start playing it and I meant, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And then the show opens and then like 10 minutes later, I look behind me. There's a line of like 10 people standing behind me because I'm at the only station that's working. <laughs> and they're just like, well, what does that do? Hit one. What, what does that, what happens when you hit three? And I just look back and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. but um coming away from it i actually uh, a little bit more lukewarm on it than i was before um just because i don't think i mean i didn't have the benefit of seeing the uh the bigger picture when it came to how they're setting up the world, the storytelling or the classless system, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically the classless system is one of the things I like about it because I hate rolling alternate characters. I'm like, I'm like the exact opposite of Kristen's friend. I, I, I want one character and I want to be able to do everything with him. That's, that's it. Right. And, um, so, I mean, it, it is still on my radar, but I think the priority has, uh, has dropped a little bit. And then, um, speaking of MMOs, uh, my game of show for the last PAX, uh, PAX Prime, that I went to was actually Firefall. And uh, this time I actually got to speak with uh, Scott Youngblood, the lead developer, um, who was uh, just to give you a little hint of what Firefall is. It's essentially an MMO with a tribe style first person shooter in place of any of the traditional MMO combat, okay. uh, which I find which I find very interesting mm. Um it's the way he describes it is it's sort of a natural extension of tribes. If you if anyone has ever played those, I I haven't really, but that's how he described it. Um, it it looked really good what I saw. I mean I got to spend uh, quite a bit of time with it, and I'm in the beta now actually, so I'm going to be uh, checking that out probably this weekend. Um, there is no release date set, and I'm still not really sure how much of a community they're going to be able to cultivate off this. But it's uh, I mean it's still uh, even now something i'm gonna be checking out more um, there was also super monday night combat um, which has been an open beta for a long time now but it's changed uh considerably since the last time i looked at it uh, the, the first monday night combat i think had a total of six classes mm-hmm. um, the last monday night combat super monday night combat beta i played had i think nine or ten now it, i think it's up to like 13 or wow. 14 and there's like a ton of different maps now i mean it's looking it just seems like it's getting stronger and stronger. So, I mean, that's that's another one to look out for. And, uh, yeah, other than that, those were the main games that I saw. I spent a little bit of time with Borderlands 2, but, I mean, you only got to spend... Uh, it was weird because we only got to spend about 10 minutes with it, and there wasn't really anyone around to answer any questions. So, I mean, I, personally, I wasn't able to glean much that was different from the first game. Um, But then other than that, it was – I went to a couple of panels, which we can talk about later when we talk about panels. But uh, overall, that was it.
0: Yeah, I read somewhere that Bioware was going to be there, and they were very interested in people offering them suggestions for the new Dragon Age uh, 3. And so I thought maybe we could go into panels now, and um, who saw some panels that they really enjoyed? I guess we can just – this can just be like whoever wants to chime in here can, but um, I know – Maddie went to a a fair amount of panels, and I know, Richard, you did as well.
3: Uh, I actually only went to two panels, but uh, one of them was the Dragon Age panel. Okay. And um, there weren't really any specifics that they dropped. I mean, they dropped some not-so-subtle hints about uh, Dragon Age 3, like where Mm -hmm. it's going to take place, um, uh, the notion that it will not take place on one city this time, thank goodness. (laughs) uh, Hooray, Potential return of uh, (laughs) some of the more... Technical role-playing elements that were in Dragon Age 1 but weren't in Dragon Age 2, like uh, NPC equipment management, they all but said that's going to come back. Um, But uh, what really sucked about it was uh, not not anything that had to do with the panel itself, but because going to the Dragon Age 1 pretty much meant that you couldn't go to Mass Effect because... They were back-to-back, and if you were in Dragon Age, then the line to Mass Effect had already filled up outside. Oh, wow. So they wouldn't let you in if you uh, – I mean, I know a couple of people that managed to like you know sneak out and then sneak back in, but I wasn't able to. But uh, And it really sucked because like, Mass Effect was the one that I was kind of wanting to go to. But from what I understand, it wasn't the massive uh, hate fest that so many were fearing. Did anybody um, get
0: into that Mass Effect one?
4: No, I did not avoid, I avoided. Yeah. I just thought it was going to be crazy. Yeah. And, and People were uh, throwing uh, cupcakes,
3: and <laughs> <laughs> and then the other panel I made it to was the uh, Irrational Games one, where they actually talked a lot about uh, monster design and in Bioshock Infinite um as as a rule i never watch trailers and i try to stay as in the dark as is humanly possible when it comes to games i'm anticipating mm-hmm. um i did that with mass effect 3 i did that with uh you know dragon age 2 and um you know i was doing that with bioshock infinite but now i know a little bit because they showed uh, some of the stuff at that panel and uh it was a pretty fascinating discussion they showed a lot of the uh like the concept art for a lot of the enemies like you know this is where our starting point it was like some advertisement from like the 1890s or something and it's like oh well we went from here to here and it was like they just showed the process of like well this wasn't working so we had to change this and it's like this slow thing where they like keep adding things and uh taking them away and it was just i mean it was it was really it was an interesting talk and they did give us cupcakes afterwards like there were actual (laughs) did they really yeah, there were actual Rational Games people just handing out cupcakes.
0: Um, that's crazy. <laughs> um, Maddie, and, and anybody else that wants to jump in, um, I know, Maddie, you went to a lot of panels.
4: Yes, I went to like eight panels because, I don't know, for some reason I thought these conventions were all about like some strange learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the Dragon Age one as well. Um, it's kind of, as Richard said, they kind of dropped a, lot, a whole bunch of not subtle hints about stuff. Um, I also kind of, uh, you know, thought that they were looking to improve their popularity rating from Dragon Age 2, even though I personally did not find Dragon Age 2 to be abysmal. Um, I know many other people did, but there's a lot of other good stuff that happened, um, particularly of diversity issues um, that I'm really fond of. Um, There was... One headed by Extra Credits James, which was uh, Borders and Bigotry. They talked about kind of like international issues and um, how games were represented, representing other countries. Um, And it was, it was okay. I, I, I thought that it was interesting that we kept, they kept looking at shooters, which I guess is just easy because shooters automatically are controversially going to other countries and doing stuff um and shooting them so uh i guess that was natural um but there's like a lot of other stuff did anyone
1: think that was a problem though in some respects right
4: yeah tell us a little
1: bit i mean are they kind of
2: talking about how the new bad guys are like anybody from the middle east and
4: right just kind of generally stereotyping
2: all those people is that what it was about or
4: they talked about yes they talked about that they talked about how like of certain controversies and about like how the Red Cross like thinks that basically you're doing a lot of war crimes as a as a player. Um, apparently, there's a lot of Geneva Conventions you do not follow when you're playing games. Um, and it was actually enough to where they talked about that sort of stuff. The first person Q and A was some random captain in whatever I don't know the military, and uh, he went off and listed this whole thing about how the panel was wrong, of course, um, and. <laughs> And uh, but if for the most part, it was pretty good. I like I just like the social awareness. They could have dug a little deeper. Like for instance, um, I mean, like yeah, they talked about how this was very ethnocentric, but didn't use that word. They didn't really dig into the fact that games are for Americans first and not for a lot of people. Set you know, second they didn't get into that part, which I would have liked them to. But they kind of did show how a lot of stuff was very um, not right for minorities. So that was interesting. I mean,
1: yeah, but it, but it, I mean, I'm sorry, this, it sounds like you're dancing around it, but did, did they say like, yeah, it's not right in that it's basically Americans the, or the theme or the goal of every of every one of these games is to, as an American is to go into other countries and kill other nationalities. <laughs> you know? I Are mean, we... isn't that what it is? I mean, right? I mean, China yeah, like the that... new enemy, you know?
4: exactly you know that's exactly it uh, i just think they wanted to say that but couldn't in a sense sure. and it's not like they didn't want to it's just like i think that what's interesting uh, what i learned about packs at least for the pa- uh, panel wise and this is the same with gdc is that it's not really meant for writers like or the meat like let's say for people who write critical discourse mm-hmm. because like for me i was listening to this panel like i could have told you all that you know like uh, and then there's I'm people who are talking about, yeah. yeah and then people and people are like wow I didn't really think about this I'm like really you didn't think that there's a strange you know correlation between your enemies and them being brown I mean like there's just like this whole uh, <laughs> I mean I, I guess I'm sensitive to it but a lot of um, th- that was a lot of panels um, another panel that was like that was the um, the sexual the online harassment uh, of women kind of like headed by uh, that uglier slutty. Um, they did one for PAX prime as well. I heard they basically just did the same thing for PAX East. And um, there's people who are shocked that apparently women get horrible insults and solicitations online by gamers. Like people thought that didn't happen. And I'm like, wow. are you kidding me? Like, how do you not know this happens? Um, that actually yeah. happened on the game floor while we were there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it was, it was mind blowing. Um, and, but they went through a lot of stuff and it was all basis. I mean, like basically if you follow any like feature section of any online publication, you know what they're going to talk about. Um, right, right. but people were still, you know, it, it was just an interesting, I learned that kind of relationship. So that was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So, while,
1: you, while you're on that thought, uh, can I just jump in because I had the exact same experience in one of the major panels that I went to, which was um, the I think the only one about actual game criticism, which was um, it was called "Stuff Your Criticism I Want to Review." Oh yeah. And right. um, yeah, that was actually uh, you know it was actually a pretty good uh, panel. You know, I think um, just let me throw out some of those names that were there. It was uh, Dennis Symeca, uh Chris Dalin, uh, Susan Andrade. Uh, mitch Car- carpaccia and uh cotton Ka- you know our former alumnus Kyle land but it was exactly like you said you know for anyone who's been in this business of game criticism like we have for over 10 years it was just like it's everything we've heard before you know they sort of just you know touched on almost every single major point and to their credit they asked you know the, the moderator asked good questions i'm not saying he didn't do it but it just from a standpoint of someone who sort of uh, in the thick of it and, you know, knee deep in it, it was pretty superficial, you know, just to sort of hear them reiterate everything exactly like the way you described. Um, my, the only thing I wanted to add there was I, I, I just wanted to give uh, props and a shout out to Kyle Orland, who brought up his re- his review of um, Space Channel 5 from from Game Critics, the one, one of the first reviews he actually did. Uh, mm-hmm. He mentioned it as part of like, just you know the whole game right? I guess it was just a, sort of asking you know what the whole game review experience is, and he sort of immediately cited that, uh, which made me feel proud. You know it was like you know our legacy of game critics is still there. You know? So and I actually, let me ask like, let me ask you guys something. You guys
2: are talking about this theme of, of people like not knowing what we kind of take as the obvious, and and like you said they're kind of reciting material that we've known for years. And, and Maddie, like you said, you were kind of stunned that these people, you know, don't see what's going on. Um, one thing that that kind of makes me think of is that in critical circles. So this is kind of a multi-part thing so bear with me for a second here. But so the thing that I often think about is we lose a lot of the brain trust in game criticism circles because it's so hard to make a living. Because so many people yes. don't make enough money and it's so difficult to earn an actual decent, you know, I can afford healthcare and a house and a, mm-hmm. a partner and children and that kind of thing. It's really tough to make it and so I noticed that a lot of people who used to be around or who were really, you know, the quote-unquote the wise the wise people in in the field You know, they went to PR, they went to development, they went to do something totally different, they became doctors and lawyers and whatever. Um, Do you guys think that maybe this kind of general not knowingness is a result of us losing the people who have been around? It, It almost seems to me like... We're, like, starting fresh over and over and over, like, every generation. Like, people are discovering stuff that the old, bu- the old people have known for a long time, but the knowledge isn't getting passed down. I mean, nobody's sticking around long enough because it's it's, like, you can only be a really hardcore journalist when you're young, and you can eat ramen for, like, a week straight, and you can <laughs> live with six other people in a small you know, studio because that's how much money you're making. But, you know, as, as life goes on, I mean, it seems to me like we're kind of losing this knowledge continually. It's like almost like some kind of weird sci-fi, like Logan's run thing. When, when you hit like, you know, mating age or whatever, it's like, you have to leave the field because you just can't make it anymore. <laughs> like the robots come and they take you away and they kill you. You know what I mean? Like, I, what do you guys think about that?
4: Well, I think actually is, that game criticism, I guess as we know it, um, is not at all mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like, um, when I went to GDC, um, I went to the special interest groups of developers for diversity issues and the GLBT. And no one there, or very, very few, knew what the Border House was. And for me as a Borderhouse writer and as probably one of the very few um publications that specifically cater towards that group, it blows my mind that people don't know that that exists. Um, and that, and even like talking and engaging to um, like how I, uh, I brought up some other place um, uh, Vox games, which is now Polygon did not know, I think about the board house, or I know a lot of other people did not know about these smaller publications that, when you're in the thick of game criticism you're aware of but once you start to step out even if you're just like in this like mainstream journalism you're not at all paying attention to these smaller critical circles so it's more like the knowledge has been centered into like a group of people and hobbyists and writers but does not leave very often and a lot of people don't find value in it yet because it hasn't been made in a way to be consumed easy enough um so that's why i kind of that's kind of how i saw packs. and actually i felt the same way at gdc actually half of the panels i went to was like i could speak on this panel you know i i felt that way um and it's meant for people who don't read uh, <laughs> basically, is people who don't read uh, criticism, is people who don't keep up on these topics. Um, for the people who are shocked about online harassment, like the only possible way you could not know that is happening is if you are not at all connected to the media, besides like reviews, not, maybe not even that. Like you have to know. So that's kind of like it, it made me shift in perspective. How I looked at these panels, because these panels are not meant for any sort of specialist um, or writer. So that's kind of my view on it.
1: Yeah, interesting. Just 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 to add a little bit more to that, I mean, I think before we started recording, we were talking about um, our reactions to the mass. We were asking Maddie about her reaction to the Mass Effect uh, three Mm -hmm. ending, and and you were talking, and we were talking about how uh, gamers, you know. don't see themselves as anything but you know consumers and i think that's a large part of the reason why yeah they're not cognizant a lot of these issues that come up and then you know and and, you know and that's kudos to pax for raising these issues and they can be more aware of it but yeah for people that are sort of you know already engaged in this sort of dialogue it's pretty superficial and so it's not to say um brad that you know your point i think is still valid i mean there is certainly um an overturn of you know writers and people who put a lot of thought into this and even on the, the game criticism panel that I talked about, it came up at one point that, yeah, it, it just isn't, you know, there, there hasn't been a successful model around this. I mean, I think they sort of cited crispy gamer as an example that worked, which was kind of funny because it went out of business. So it didn't mm-hmm. really work, you know? So I'm not quite sure if that was the point exactly where I might've missed something there, but yeah, they they're, you know just look at you know when you look at like next generation you look at you know crispy gamer and you know yeah it's not a very long and you know and even for us you know we're not like you know we're all volunteer based we don't we're not we're not making money doing it it's just not uh financially viable so that's there's certainly a, a point there to be made as well
2: a very depressing one i might add
0: <laughs> yeah this we could go on this is a really fascinating topic we could almost have a whole podcast on this um i think uh chi you went through the keynote right can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Um, yeah, so the, the, the keynote was by Jordan Mechner and uh, of Prince of Persia fame, and uh, it was actually pretty emotional for me. Uh, he, he was like sort of relaying the life of his of his uh, the story of his life through the games that he had developed, and how um, he always sort of was trying to get away from making games, but it kept pulling him back in. And at the same time, um, he sort of realized that he shouldn't start. He he was. He shouldn't be fighting that so much and he, he is sort of in the end um happy that he kept on developing games despite the fact he'd also wanted to be a, a screenwriter and um and his, sort of his final take on the whole thing was just you know you really can't plan you know or the, the best your best made plans in life really rarely go the way you expect and it's really just following the things that you love and, and, you know, and and pursuing, you know, your passions that really, you know, make your life worth living. And I, that was actually pretty emotional for me. I really related to that story a lot. I've been sort of having a, uh, you know, a semi midlife crisis of my own at at the moment. And uh, I sort of came to that conclusion myself recently. So it was kind of reaffirming to hear that from him. I should have uh,
2: asked you that because I could have told you that a while ago.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I came to that conclusion on my own as well, but, I, just I, I nice to
2: hear.
4: Okay. A we can talk <laughs> right. after
2: the podcast. It's fine.
4: <laughs> All right. Next time I have a midlife
1: crisis, Brad, you would
4: be the first one. I'm, I'm there call. Me, buddy. I'm there. Yeah. of facts, uh, midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only
1: other funny thing that happened there was also, um, uh, he, Jordan Mechner, gave away three t-shirts, three, one of a kind t-shirts um, based on Karataka. And, um, there was two, th- the first three people who tweeted him the answer of who was the boss's name. Um, to Karataka and he had three shirt sizes and you know, whoever got it first for each size would win, win the actual shirt. And lo and behold, I, I won the, the large. <laughs> nice. Awesome. That was, that was pretty crazy. I mean, you know, if you actually watched the live stream of the of the thing, you would see see the back of my head <laughs> to 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 receive the shirt. I, mean, I was like totally shocked because I just I just googled the answer real quick on my phone, <laughs> just tweeted it, thinking that there's no way in, there's no chance in hell I would have want it. I started walking out the theater, and then I hear him, and the first one winner is Chi uh, Kong Louis, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so then you i lost
2: further. You have said you knew it, man. You just said you Google it. Dude. Yeah,
1: That's... you know, no, man, I'm, I'm honest to a fault, man. I'm want us to afford <laughs> so i uh, i went up there got the shirt shook his hand told him you know i really appreciated his thing as i was walking back some other you know some of the guys were shouting in the audience oh good job you know and you know you should get him to sign it i was like yeah, that's a good idea i went back but um i could hear him say to the other guy i don't have a sharpie pen or mm-hmm. anything like that so i was like ah oh, whatever so i just left and i figured if i can maybe i could try to find him on the floor later you know to get him to sign it but sadly he had already left like pretty early so on the third day when i was really trying hard to find him he had already gone so that was the end of that story
3: yeah, one of the other things that um, I, I forgot to mention uh, is that outside the uh, the Bioware room, like, Bioware had their own, like, room set up on the on the first floor, is, like, uh, so some of the – I mean, the Mass Effect people weren't really available, but some of the Dragon Age people were just standing outside, mm-hmm. like, taking questions from people for uh, what felt like a really long time, and actually got to uh, – have a really nice talk with uh david gator who is the oh wow uh lead writer for dragon age one and dragon age two and i believe he worked on uh Baldur's the Baldur's gate games in some yeah. capacity as well and uh i mean yeah he was just out there taking quite a few questions from people and i got to ask him uh, about uh uh crap what did i ask him mm-hmm. i can't even freaking remember now <laughs> but it's uh but no, it was just, I mean, it was kind of surprising because uh, you would expect, like, there to be a much larger crowd out there if they were doing that, but there wasn't. So it was a, just, you know, a nice talk. Did anybody know
2: who he was, though? I was going to say, when I saw him at PAX, and I talked to him for a little bit, too, and he is a really super nice guy. Yeah. He was just standing around, and he didn't have a name tag or anything. And I went up to him, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, can you get me inside the demo? Because I'm oppressed, and I can't wait in this line. And he's like, yeah, sure, hang on a second. And, like, he walked me back. And uh, and I'm standing there, like, whatever, dude. Yeah, you're just, like, some, you know, gatekeeper or something. And then I see him trying to talk to somebody else. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I, you know, I go back and I apologize and shit. But, you know, I mean, I, I had no idea. Was it kind of like that? No. God, you
3: know what would have been hilarious?
1: You know what would have been hilarious? If he walked to like a special meeting room and he's like, here I am. <laughs>
3: I, I actually knew what he looked like because I was at the, the panel before that. And he was introduced as David Gator. So I knew it was him. But so you knew, it, man. okay. Yeah, it's like, I'm not sure that anyone else there did. I mean, I knew there were, there were a couple other people that were also at the panel that were talking to him, but it was, uh, I mean, he he had, like, one of the speaker badges on, but, I mean, other than that, no, there was no, like, name tag or anything.
4: Yeah, actually, um, he approached me and Alex um, at a border house um, in the line because she was cosplaying as Meryl from Dragon Age 2. And I didn't know who he was, but he's like, oh, my God, I need to take get- a picture of you and he's like, okay, and he mutters something like, Mary loves it whenever someone role plays her character. And when I when I heard him say that, I'm like, that's a rude really, oh my God, this is Dave Gator. And I was just like, you know, I was just saying I'm like and I asked him and he's so nice. He's like just like you don't expect people like devs to be, you know, like nice human beings. Uh you are kind of like, you know, maybe dis I don't know. Most of the devs I've met, maybe because they're I don't know, actually. A lot of the devs at, uh, you know, the AAA devs at GDC were kind of standoffish and not very friendly. But then, like, everyone I met at, like, PAX was, like, super nice. So.
3: Yeah. And what was nice about that is uh, because they let all the cosplayers in to the the front row of the the seating. And they're like, oh, yeah, bring your friends too. So it's like we all got in, like, the yes. second row of the panel, it's like, mm-hmm. before everyone else got in.
4: It was pretty sweet
0: let's 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 quickly go over the i'm I'm really interested in some of the indie games that were there um i i know it was it was a big there was a big focus that there was like an indie games section i'm just wondering did you guys see any indie games you want to check name check real quick uh chi let's go to you
1: yeah i mean i i was actually really looking forward to the indie um sections as well you know i've heard sort of like you know i think it's sort of a staple of of the PAX uh, shows and i gotta say i was slightly disappointed i mean it just there wasn't any like for me a real big standout title, um, and a lot of the indie games felt really me too ish. You know, I mean, I think we're getting to this point in video in video games where, you know, there, you know, a couple of years ago, if an indie title came out and it had like really cool artwork, that was good enough. Right, you know, that was like a big statement, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? And mm-hmm. but now like every single game. Is like that, you know, they all have great, amazing artwork. And I don't want to, you know, I, I hate I'm not trying to bag on them, not trying to hate on any, on any of them. I'm just saying, that, you know, you got to like, take a step back and look at their games and really, you know, compare it, you know, compare what's out in the market, because it's just so crowded. I mean, I think that was like one of my big takeaways from PAX East was just, it's just I think there's just too many games, really. You know, I mean, I, I, I kind of remember a couple of years back going to E3. And yeah, there were a lot of games at E3, but a lot of the games felt different. You know, I mean, you would go to the different, you know, booths and they would all have different styles of games and things like that. And it's just, you know, now it's just like all first person shooters, you know, for, for all the big companies, it's all first person shooters, all third person shooters, it's all MMOs or MMO shooters. Right. And then for the indie games, they're all like retro platformers. They're all retro <laughs> shooters. They're all some kind of a puzzle game that, you know has, you know, has some sort of a, you know, a little hook to it, like it's a lawn, it's a lawnmower game, or it's a blob, <laughs> game, you know, and, you know, I really wonder, like, why is it, you know, and, and of course, I think the gold standard by now was like, you know, th- that game company, right? And, and everyone talked about Journey the whole time. I mean, you know, Journey was nonstop, I and mean, Jordan Metchner could not stop talking about Journey. Mm-hmm. And, um and, um and, you know, and when you look at Journey, it's a very emotional response, you know, I think it's like, it there's like, a, you know, a, a real strong human condition element to it, you know. And I think that's the advantage of the indie developers, right? I mean, they can can go there, you know what I mean? And Whereas it's harder for the AAA guys to do that. You know, the indie developers should really be focusing on that. And I unfortunately didn't see a lot of that. You know, it was more just – it was more straight-up game mechanics. And again, not to say that that they were terrible. It just seemed really focused on the game mechanics, right? So that that aside, I will uh, point out a couple of games that did seem – um, again I didn't play them enough to be to be able to say for sure but you know a couple of ones that did sort of stand out to me was one called vessel which was sort of had this like um um had this physics engine around building uh creatures around water so that had some inter- you know had some interesting themes of like you know slavery and Vessel's uh, yeah, control... awesome,
2: dude. I've I've seen and played it before. It's really really good. I'm super impressed with Vessel.
3: Yeah, I, d- I yeah. downloaded the Vessel demo um, a while ago actually, and um, I haven't I haven't bought it yet, but I'm probably going to. I mean, it was it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, cool. So that was one. Uh, Anti Chamber was this really super abstract game. Uh, kind of pu- like a puzzle first-person shooter. It's almost impossible to describe. I mean, seriously, like just Google it. I mean, for anyone who's seen it, I'm, I think you know what I'm talking about. It's 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 just really bizarre, you know. And and not even sure that's gonna work. But it, it was definitely a little more out there than most of the other games. And um, since uh, Sparky's not here, um, I'll just name check a couple of games that he pointed out to me. It was uh, Mark of the Ninja, which is sort of like the follow-up to the guys who made Shank, uh, which Really surprisingly, it was kind of like a hitman game, but in like a 2D format. And another game he really liked was Monaco, which was uh, this sort of three. Uh, it was like a heist game, um, but in a four-player, you know, very arcadey format, sort of like Gauntletish, but it's sort of like co-oping and working together for this. Um, toward a bank heist. It was really hard to understand. I mean, when I first started playing it, I didn't even know that was the theme because it was so abstract and everyone was just kind of running around and everything. But I, I think there's some, there was some potential there.
0: i let anybody else want to name check very quickly. We're running a little bit long, but does anybody want to name check an indie game really quickly that they saw and liked? I do
5: just want to re- real quick, just name check Oregon trail, which is a, uh, <laughs> um, which is a Oregon trail with zombies oh, I wow. oh, wait, wait. oh <laughs> you mean
2: or, organ trail like organ like body organ is that <laughs> like what you mean body
5: organ yes. oh okay ah. i'm suddenly ah. much more
0: interested in this <laughs>
5: yep. it's by the men who wear mini hats hatsproductions.com, and they have a they have it up on their website now but you could also make they're also currently making a version for their phone and uh for the phones and pc and it i, I got a bunch of it's funny it looks funny. I didn't get a chance to play it, unfortunately, but it, it just looks funny.
3: Yeah, they had a bunch of really funny uh, postcards from like a whole bunch of different cities. They were like all like just cartoon versions of them that were just completely destroyed with zombies crawling all over them. I mean, those are those are pretty cool.
0: Game reboots with zombies are awesome. I guess it's not really a reboot, but game updates with zombies—that's <laughs> for the win. Anybody else uh, want to name check something before we go to thumbs up, thumbs down? All right. Well, it sounds like PAX was amazing. We'll be right back with some thumbs up, thumbs down action. Stay with us. Time for everybody's favorite segment. I don't know if that's actually true, but we're going to say that it is thumbs up, thumbs down. We're going to go right into it because we're running along on time. Let's go to Mr. Brad Galloway.
2: Um, I usually have a thumbs up and a thumbs down, or at least I'd like to think that I do. This week I've only got a thumbs up, and I want to give a thumbs up to Transformers Prime. Uh, we don't talk enough about transformers on this show, but I know that she's a hardcore uh, transformers fan. I am also. <laughs> it's not, it's not uh, for lack
1: good. of me trying. That's for sure. I know, I know. <laughs> we keep
2: getting hated on by Mike and Richard. You're not maybe not much of a transformers fan, but hey, I, um, I like transformers. I'm a big Beast Wars fan. Okay, well you're good. Yeah. Beast Wars. Awesome. And Kristen and Maddie, transformers love. Either of you guys. Beast Beast Wars. Wars. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, clearly the best, the best podcast on the internet right here. Beast Wars love. <laughs> um, so. Actually, I'm a huge Beast Wars fan. I have every single Beast Wars figure ever made, and I I love the show to death. I mean, I just was a major, major Beast Wars fan. And so I've never liked the Transformers shows since then. I felt like they were – I mean, they they, they were okay, but they didn't grab me the same way until Transformers Prime. It just hit um, Netflix like last week or the week before, and I was looking for something that my son and I could watch together. Uh, And I maybe picked the wrong thing because it's kind of it's almost like a little adult skewed in some ways. Transformers Prime really reminds me a lot of Beast Wars, the same kind of computer animation, really, really awesome animation, Um, great character design, the storylines so far. I'm really into it um, just a little ways. I haven't seen a whole lot, but so far it's been pretty dark, pretty violent, pretty, I don't want to say hardcore because it's still Transformers, but it was there was a few scenes where I'm like, maybe my son shouldn't be watching this with me. And this is Transformers, and that feels a little weird. But it, good, weird. It's not, it's not so.
1: that dark, I mean, to be fair. It's I mean,
2: not it's, super it's dark. No. It's a kid's show. No, It's a kid's yeah. show, but there was, there was still a few times when, as a parent, I
3: was like, hmm, I don't know about this. Was so, it more or less dark than Beast Wars? Yeah, Beast
4: Wars I don't know, was very man. Dark.
2: Yeah, it was kind of dark. I mean, so far, like I said, I'm early in it. It's It feels very similar in tone. I, I can't say definitively one way or the other, but what I can say is that I really, really like it a lot so far, and I'm really interested in a way that Transformers recently hasn't been interesting to me, and I I really want to see where this goes. So if there's any other fans besides us here who love Beast Wars, um, I would say check it out. Um, It seems to me like the vibe is there. So thumbs up to Transformers Prime.
1: Thanks for saying that. I just want to throw it out there. Just thanks for saying that, Brad. And uh, I've mentioned uh, Transformers Prime in the past. I I like the toy line as well. And um, I just got to say, Brad, it definitely gets a lot more interesting. Believe me, just from a Transformers fan. I mean, even my son was like totally hooked on it. And there's a couple of nice cliffhangers that come up at the end of season one. And I'm not sure if it was a season 1.5 or something, but there was a couple of nice cliffhangers that come up. Yeah.
2: Excellent, excellent.
1: If you are of
0: drinking age, rewind and drink every time someone mentions Beast Wars in that last segment, and this show will get (laughs) a lot more epic in just a minute. Um, (laughs) In a very short time, right? (laughs) That's streaming now on Netflix, Transformers Prime. Yeah, season one is now available, and uh, check it out. It's pretty good. Awesome. Maddie, thumbs up, thumbs down?
4: Um, Well, to keep this kind of like PAX and Boston themed, I want to give a thumbs up to Bartley's Michelle Obama Burger which was great. Basically, it has a whole bunch of burgers that are named after famous people who ate there, and Michelle Obama was one. And that was a burger with blue cheese and Cajun sauce. Uh, And it was uh, pretty good indeed. And um, I'm trying to think of a thumbs down. I have such a wonderful... Oh, okay, a thumbs down is that Weston... A lobby right next to PAX where you will not receive any sort of internet like wireless connection or phone <laughs> connection, and if you are at all dependent on technology, which you most likely are if you're at PAX, uh, you will be disabled. So there's my thumbs down.
0: All right, um, Brad's got to take off. Thank you, uh, Brad.
2: Thanks everybody. Sorry I got to go, but uh, it's been great.
0: Awesome. Good night, Brad. Hi. See ya. Take care, Brad. Kristen, thumbs up, thumbs down.
5: Uh, thumbs up to the enforcers at the free play <laughs> Dance Central 2, uh, <laughs> who were doing backup dancing to uh, people that were doing dance who were playing Dance Central 2. And so I played it, and because I played with them, uh, I got beta keys for Guild Wars 2. Oh
0: wow! Nice. So uh,
5: I nice. got up there, made a fool of myself, got some beta keys. So definite thumbs up to those guys. I couldn't have picked a better time to. Look like an absolute idiot <laughs> in front of a in front
1: of an audience. I, I gotta say as well, the enforcers at PAX they actually did a really good job in general. I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, they, I've never seen uh, a show like this just staff so well. I mean, they just had endless amount of staff people and enforcers to like queue people up, make sure everyone knew where they was going, and uh, keeping things organized. So yeah, th- definitely thumbs up just for the job that they did at PAX for sure.
0: And Guild Wars 2, similar in name to Beast Wars, everybody take a drink. <laughs> Kristen, any more thumbs up, thumbs down?
5: Uh, thumbs down to the guy at the Novus Eternus booth, who <laughs> who pretty much tackled me and my friends, who were all female on the first day, and was pretty much just giving us this pitch about how women would love his game, would love the the game because women don't like shooting games that are all about creation. (laughs) And we're we're obviously not at PAX to see anything violent whatsoever. And when I looked at the demo, it's a, it's a space Combat game where spaceships are exploding in the background and <laughs> like, I'm like yeah that's that's really creationism there okay okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, do you need to go time. to one of these panels about the whole sex <laughs> thing <laughs> so, so, so big thumbs down to by uh, apparently not liking violent things
0: <laughs> um for me two quick thumbs up thumbs up to the name team pumpkin spice bread which is my new favorite name of any. Battle tribe ever, and then thumbs up to MS Paint Adventures, which is a web comic that's based on the old point-and-click adventure games. Um, the artist takes suggestions in like a suggestion box for actions on what people want the character to do, and he draws the next panel of the story. And the one I'm reading right now, Homestuck, is fantastic. There's a ton of video game and pop culture references, and it's just the best way to waste time online. You can go through like a hundred pages without even realizing it. So, thumbs up MS Paint Adventures. And Rich, Let me
5: just add that Homestuck just has some really great music, too.
0: It really does. I, it's, I think it's all original music. I think he's got like a team that writes the music. It's it's great. It, it's definitely worth a look.
5: Sorry, what's
1: the site again?
0: It's mspaintadventures.com, I believe. If that's not correct, just Google MS Paint Adventures, but it's definitely worth a look. It's awesome. Hmm. Um, Richard Nyack, thumbs up, thumbs down.
3: Well, first, I want to give a thumbs down to the guy that stole the tracking computer out of the console free playroom at PAX. <laughs> um, if you're not familiar with with it, uh, what they do in the console uh, playroom is they check out games to you to play on various consoles that they have set up around the room. And on the third day, uh, someone stole the computer that they were storing all of the checkout information on. So they couldn't check out games at all on the third day. And it's just like, c- come on, really? What kind of fucking jerk ass does that? And then uh thumbs up to Chi Kong Lu, who I met for the very first time at PAX. And I guess thumbs up to Manny Bryce as well, who I also met at the very first time at PAX. And uh, I discovered that I my weird power over Brad Galloway's son also extends to Chi Kong Lu's son, who was super <laughs> excited to meet me and was so super excited to talk about his Pokemon and stuff all the time, which is still really weird because I'm not a kid person like it, it at was, all so it was so
1: it was so bizarre because we'd be back at the hotel and you know he would my you know my son wasn't like super thrilled to be at pax i mean it was kind of noisy you know it's just you get tired very quickly and all that so i mean he likes video games and all that but he wasn't i don't think he quite got got the concept but so we say like, oh we're gonna go back to the you know boston convention center he's like is richard gonna be there <laughs> <Yeah. Aww. laughs> he's like i was like yeah he's gonna be there he's like oh i like richard he's so
3: so that was so funny. Yeah. He's, I'm, I'm so what? You cut out there for a second.
1: Oh, you said uh, you're so because you're because you're so smart. Was uh, when
3: he oh. Said, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: No, Gee, think, thanks, Ryan. You met me too. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, thumbs up to you, Kristen, as he, well, because you know you were there too.
5: He does. By
1: the way, he does refer to you guys as the girls because <laughs> he doesn't quite remember your names, but he does remember girls. That's oh, the wow. girls <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, Richard, I think I think um. My theory now is that I think you look a lot like Super Mario. That's why these kids love you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> the red hat didn't help.
1: Well, if see, you, I was wearing you... a red hat. If you ever cosplayed as Super Mario, let me tell you something. You would win awards. Just, just saying. Just saying.
3: <laughs> <The mustache laughs> will finally, come in good for something.
1: Are there going to be pictures? <laughs> dude, oh, awesome.
3: It just it's makes sure. me. Usually, I just. Uh, it just means I'm really good at cosplaying dude who looks like he's about to rob a gas station. <laughs> Not so much Mario, but. You're moving up in the cosplay world, then. I am. I must be. <laughs> Do you have any more
0: thumbs up, thumbs down?
3: Uh, no, that was it.
0: All right. Um. Maddie, where can people go online? Oh, I'm sorry, Chi. We're going over to Chief for thumbs up, thumbs down.
1: <laughs> I apologize, Chi. So, this is gonna. This is like a. Be...
0: Uh oh.
1: The way Conan keeps uh, uh not having uh, Matt Damon on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do some. <laughs> I'll do some
0: clever editing on this.
1: <laughs> sorry, that was Jimmy Kimmel, not Matt. Yeah. Not Conan. Jimmy Kimmel and
0: uh, um, Matt Damon. The Matt Damon of gamecritics.com podcast chi kong lu thumbs up thumbs down
1: yeah just two quick thumbs up uh thumbs up to uh game of the second season of game of thrones uh just you know just really i don't know how to even how to describe it i mean it's just really awesome the first season was sort of like i'm not quite sure this is gonna be that great but you know it ended well and now the second season's off and it's just i'm just so invested in all the characters and all the storylines and the, the, it's also a kind of a thumbs down for me as well, because just the ending of every single episode is like torture. I mean, it's just like I cannot wait for the next episode to come now. You know, I, might, I, I may have to stop watching it just because I wait till the entire season plays through because it's just that torturous. Or uh, the other thing is I might just start reading the books and spoiling it for myself because I just cannot uh, get around it anymore. Um, and my second thumbs up, uh, echoing what, um, Richard said, I just wanted to give a thumbs up to all the people I m- met at PAX, which included Maddie, Kristen, uh, Sparky, uh, Eric Swain from, uh, Game Critique as well. And Gamer Axe, uh, who else did I meet? Um, oh, James Wong, who's, uh, in a, in a, G- a Game Critics alum. He actually spotted me on the media line first coming. I hadn't seen the guy in like five years in like E3 and he just somehow spotted me and it, he actually works at Red 5, uh, um, richard oh, does he yeah he does yeah he actually does he's, he's doing the video dev diaries for them so he's actually doing video editing for um, red five so that's pretty yeah we actually kind of have an in there if you <laughs> ever need to uh, get good. in on firefall yeah good to know and if i missed anyone mm-hmm. else i met uh sorry about that yeah just uh everyone great people alex oh, is another person we met i met mm-hmm. so, so that's it
0: it sounds like it was a really fun experience i'm jealous of all four of you Um, Maddie shameless self-promotion time where can people go to check out your stuff
4: oh awesome I love this part Um, (laughs) well you can easily find me on Twitter Um, it's xmaddiebrice m-a-t-t-i-e-b-r-i-c-e and you can also do maddiebrice blog spot that has kind of like all of my writing Um, but I super encourage everyone to check out the border house which is borderhouseblog.com and Educate yourself on some diversity issues on games, and you don't have to be surprised that women get harassed online in multiplayer shooters on Xbox. So, um, yeah, do that.
0: I, I encourage everybody at some point, every male gamer, to just make a female character and see what happens. <laughs> just <laughs> just see what happens. Uh, Kristen, you're uh, GameCritics.com. People can check you out there. Anything you, else you would like to promote?
5: I'm pretty good. All right.
0: <laughs> well, those were to find me.
5: Yeah. I'm also on Twitter as uh, Gallus22.
0: We're all good. <laughs> we're all good. Did you like this podcast? I did too. We have something in common, folks. Would you like to hear more podcasts? Me too. Again, we're like two peas in a pod. You can download us on iTunes or directly from the GameCritics.com website. Either way, we'll get you the GC podcast experience you deserve and crave. On behalf of Kong Lu, Brad Galloway, Richard Nyack, Matty Bryce, and Kristen Taylor, I've been Dylan Collins. Game on.
1: Goodness.
4: Ryan, come on. Tell <laughs> um, there's Pokemon. Hold on, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh.